Welcome back to the Mel K Show. One of my favorite people is back with us. He is uh, a renaissance man. He's done lots of stuff out there, but right now he's in Vermont in the snow on his farm. And I'm excited to welcome back John Clark to the show. Thank you for joining me, sir. Thank you very much for having me, ma'am. Uh, you and I, uh, a while ago, almost a year probably, we started talking about ESG scores and we started talking about the overreach of the government and what they were doing with um, control of farming and uh, all of that stuff. And it has just taken off since first we spoke. And these people are going way above and beyond to push their agenda 2030 and all of their sustainable development goals. But you see a lot of pushback these days. So let's first and foremost remind people who you are, and then we'll get into some of the topics that people should be talking about and maybe aren't hearing on the mainstream media or elsewhere. Well, my name is John Clark. I welcome people who haven't been with us together before. I hope they enjoy the ride and will stay with us. Uh, I'm a former attorney turned farmer. When I got sick with Lyme disease, I moved to Vermont from Connecticut, actually near where my family was from in Vermont now. Many of my family are here. And I've been farming for about 25 years. And some years ago, I got involved in food activism when Vermont tried to shut down our on-farm slaughter traditions and basically make it illegal. And we actually won that battle. And I've made some wonderful allies through that, including Wendell Berry and Joel Salatin and some other people locally and nationally. And Thomas Massey now has joined the fray, as I'm sure you know, and with the yeah. Prime Act, which would preserve those very rights for the whole country. And this is about food security. And so then one thing led to another, and I've written a book called Small Farm Republic, yeah. uh, which is also my substack of that name. I write about a lot of different things. I'm also a staff writer now with Liberty Nation, oh, uh, which continues to grow. Um, sounds Christian nationalist to me. And I guess I am, because that's even when I wasn't a Christian, that's how I uh, perceived um, the documents of our founding when uh, I read them. Actually, Vermont's Constitution, Article 3, uh, suggests that everyone go to a Christian church every weekend of their choosing. I mean, when we hear, you know, anyways, so a little digression there as a lawyer is just kind of funny. And so what's happened since we've spoken last and over this time, you can see a very uh, a rapid awareness, I think, in people growing. And I hope you're going to tell me you're seeing the same people or the same thing. Uh, most lately, it's Germany and Belgium, the farmers there. I'm thinking one of the reasons, I mean, there are a lot of factors, but why are the European farmers waking up sooner than Americans? Well, because they're shutting their farms down right. and they're much more overregulated. They're kind of ahead of us on the curve with even having farming dominated by a huge technocratic bureaucracy of green people who know nothing about soil or right. cows. As you know, I have a peeve on cows, yeah. uh, but there's your segue. Well, that is my segue cool. because you, uh, last week I did a whole week live from Davos. We covered a lot of panels, me and Norben Laden, who is there in Davos and lives in Switzerland and really covers a lot of that stuff extensively. And you brought up something about one of the panels about agriculture where uh, they skipped a big part of of what actually matters, because we all know that the the whole point is their agenda 2030. And on top of that, they're 30 by 30 and seizing of all the land and the natural asset class. So what did they leave out there that is actually important to farmers and is, is part of what is happening, I believe, also in, in Europe with the uprising of the farmers? Well, I, I are you referring to the speakers at Davos who actually address soil health? Yes. 
Okay, yes. And actually, the fellow, one of the lead speakers is from here in Vermont. Oh, wow. Um, and there was a panel of soil scientists who were explaining at a particular seminar, of which I'm sure there were dozens, if not hundreds, uh, It's at Davos. It sounds like quite a um, hippie festival occasion. It sounds like quite the celebration. Steaks everywhere, you know, Wagyu yeah. beef and Zuckerberg walking around having some exactly. Wagyu. Um, but... Um, yeah, I was I was excited to see it, but of course it's not necessarily their fault. I I mean I'm intrigued that it was uh, that they even hosted it there when the WEF and others are partnered with all of the major players: Cargill, you right. know, for uh, Bear, Monsanto, Dow, Dupont. They're all of them in one name or another are at the party, and that they let them speak, but the mainstream media, as far as I have seen, have not given them any coverage. And I'm hoping to to try to do that because these are the experts. And this is actually a, a, a significant portion in a whole chapter, at least of my book, is about the soil science of right. what we know from people whose expertise is the microbiome of soil and how to nurture that, which you have more plant growth, you sequester more carbon, uh, you have more nutrients in the plants, you have fewer diseases, so you don't require as many herbicides and pesticides and insecticides, et cetera, et cetera. And of course, you do that with cows and natural manure, not synthetic fertilizers that release all kinds of greenhouse gases that they're saying they're trying to get rid of cows to protect us from. So uh, I, I've been trying to highlight that message. That too, I think, might be part of, I mean, they've got to let people at the table uh, to, you know, even if they gaslight them a bit or put them off in the table in the corner, if they're going to have any appearance of balance, how about synthetic meat? I don't know that that's been addressed at Davos yet. Um, well, it has actually. There was a guy, I believe he was uh, one of now. What, what people don't understand and, and was not, also not covered was that the biggest delegation and the people that were treated as the ultra VIPs, the most, uh, you know, got the most attention was actually the CCP delegation. And the number two to G was, uh, you know, apparently the the prom king of uh, of Davos. So a lot of people don't realize when they talk about uh, the public-private partnership and these stakeholders and the, the banking cartel, that the CCP is fully, fully uh, in on uh, whatever they are planning for this Agenda 2030, yet the CCP isn't changing much. They're not, and we'll get into nuclear and and the coal plants that they continue to, to coal mines that they continue to uh, open in China at the same time as championing the uh, 2030 agenda, but as for the so soil and the biome, why do you think, I mean, because they did allow that, and all I kept thinking when you told me about that, and then I looked at it, was that they have some kind of solution where they think that they, you know, they're let, they're putting that information out there, but I, I everything that they have is a technocratic fourth industrial revolution solution. So what are they, What what could that angle be that is, um, is it about synthetic fertilizer and, you know, um, that there has to be some kind of climate type protection of the soil? What do you think that they allowed that um, or that they had that there? Because everything there is geared towards the stakeholders um, and business, actually, and financing of natural asset companies and some of the other things they're spitting out there. Well, and that's actually why I asked the question of you, whether there were people there who were detractors of synthetic meat, those criticizing it, because that's essentially what this is, is having people there criticizing synthetic fertilizers. And I'm not aware that any people were. Um, that would be attacking a, a very um, highly valued 
industry that, by the way, is in collapse. We could discuss that, but synthetic meat is turning out to be a complete failure, along with EV cars and other things are very similar. Um, but in answer to your question, and I'm speculating now, and I wouldn't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist, even though it's very obvious to me okay. that there's a, a visible conspiracy. I mean, they're right. right there in the open, you can connect the dots. Right. Our food supply has been being gradually um, the, the the stranglehold tightened for years. And so I suppose there are, I could speculate a few reasons. For one, for one reason, they may be far along enough that they don't mind. They may just feel that these voices won't be heard. They may perceive or understand that they can give a little bit of ground if they can persuade people as they have spent so many billions of dollars to believe that cows are bad and are going to blow up the planet in, in you know, heat um, rather than be part of the solution, which they are. Uh, right. But they do have certain aspects of truth to what they're saying in the sense that whether it's CO2 or other pollution, the large industrial facilities are at risk and they're, but you know, are, are, are um, a, a real problem potentially for the climate, because if not for CO2, then, for some of the effluent and the, the you know the waterways and the potassium and phosphates and the waters and uh, pig feces when it spills out of the lagoon for a hundred thousand pigs has a way of being fish killing you know right, so yeah. industrial farming has its problems but the point is is that industrial farming they're still putting their money there they're still putting all their efforts there they're still selling meats at salvific not only because of the climate or synthetic meats that is not only because of the climate, because of animal rights, because you'll save the animals from a life of suffering and because of the health benefits, because you won't eat that horrible red meat. Instead, you'll have all these chemical additives that are in our monocultured uh, crops. Right. Um, but so in the end, I think that they don't really have to worry about being threatened by a few people in the corner who are talking about, you know, growing corn, because at this point, they already dominate the vast majority of the food supply. Right. And um, they're looking to continue to tighten that control. And I don't think this this presenter is going to stand in the way, but I think it's a, a personally, you know, by the way, just to finish you and your listeners, hopefully can appreciate that. This is kind of a common sense issue and people like cows. And so if they were going after your poodle or your, you know, golden retriever, then you'd see more people in the streets with signs, I'm sure, but they're coming right. after, you know, those of us have big pets. Um, but I think that there's room for people to see pretty quickly why cows are, are really beneficial if not in those factory settings. And so there is really a foundation for both there to coexist, if you will, industrial farming and all the pushes for GMOs and how they're climate saving. And then this person over here that's saying, you know, regenerative, uh, you know, agriculture has a place at the table. I'm not sure you're going to see that between the synthetic meat uh, peddlers right. and those who would point that out. So that may be part of why. So again, uh, speculating, but it's, but to me, it's, you know, it's a glimmer of, of truth. Um, that should be highlighted. So that's why I've I've emphasized it. And right. I also think that their their topic was um, that the overriding topic was regaining trust, which they're never going to do as far as I'm concerned. As long as Agenda 2030 is their agenda, there is no trust whatsoever uh, that any nation state should have of these people. But um, that probably is part of it, because at some point the actual science is uh, apparent and out there, which regenerative farming is something that you've talked about, but many people have, and it's just actual, you know, common sense based science as well. Um, so that might also be why, but yes, there was, there were people, not many, but I did see people pushing back against the synthetic meat, but way more people that are for it. Uh, of course, the market for synthetic meat in America is collapsing in real time to the point that 
people want nothing to do with it. You, even all the way down. And we all saw, me and you especially, because we watched this, about six, seven years ago was when um, uh, Gates, Bezos, Walmart, all these companies started investing in the synthetic meat. Uh, you know, we had Beyond Meat. We had the other other group, um, uh, Impossible Burger, all that. Uh, it, it appears that um, the actual human beings that would consume this are not interested in this at this point. And I think also what you said before is really important. They never seem to talk about the chemicals that are involved in, in creating this meat that could be far worse for you than anything that you could possibly get, even from uh, uh, even when soil is, is a problem or whatever. Um, so what do you think the collapse in the um, a fake meat market is? Do you think it's it's consumer demand or do you think that it's in general um, people just don't they're not interested? All of the above. Um, and, and just one point again, though, I don't think there was a panel at Davos of people pointing out the benefits of, for instance, grass-fed meat, or at least criticizing implicit or explicitly synthetic. I'm sure there are people there who disagree. And so I, because I'd, I'd be off. No, there wasn't a panel there. there you're right. They're no. correct. But there were and, people but there, there was a fighting panel them. Of soil, but there was a whole panel of really highly qualified soil scientists. Remember, it's about the science. Let's follow the science. So let's follow the science, but also the backstory that is exclusive to you here and your listeners right. that I think will be self-evident of the truth because I spent a lot of time researching and tracking this stuff and there's nothing magic uh, people can affirm this. So I think what really happened with synthetic meat was behind the, the boardroom doors. Uh, some years ago, I actually wrote an article about this years ago and when I went back to pull the link where I had it to a corporate prospectus from a Japanese company that was pitching its plans to a venture a group of venture capitalists, it would no longer exists, right. but it, it was so clear that they were pitching this synthetic meat or plant-based meat was going to increase profit margins exponentially. You were going to cut the farmers out you, because that's what Monsanto and others have been trying to do for 80 years. Right. You know, they want to increase market share uh, and they want to decrease uh, anybody they have to share profits with. You know, they want to monopolize the market. Um, so, and get rid of the farmers in production. And they've done that and they're doing it in Europe, by the way. The numbers of the drop at farmers in the last 30 years in many of these European nations, particularly Belgium, um, are actually much more of a crash than Americans. And that's actually something I should write about because it's a direct response to the climate agenda. And my gosh, it's horrifying. And the farmers are in the streets. So back to the synthetic meat. So it started in boardrooms with a, with a representation by venture capitalists and dreamers, because there's so many out there, that they were going to create a form of meat. And they can show you on paper, you know, for instance, you know, if you could create a burger out of soy, uh, arguably you could do it with uh, their calculations are about 5% of the plant matter to make one pound of meat than if you put it through a cow, right? Now you won't get your manure back um, and you won't get a hide to make clothing with, and um, but uh, you will create a vat out of stainless steel and a factory to house it that you heat and electrify with all of the components of that. 365 days a year, you will exclusively own the process because nobody out in the peasant land other than people who have cows are going to get meat other than from you. So there are a lot of benefits here. You control the market. Now, what they did then is they attracted billions and billions of dollars, not trillions of dollars right. in investment. And they presented this as a way to make a lot of money and save the planet. And they doctored it up and they put a lot of lipstick on this pig. Now, here's what's happened. Um, they overhyped it. Uh, people had high expectations. 
it's not just America, but Europe. It's absolutely crashing. It's even their vegans and the people most likely to want plant alternatives who are turning away. And they're turning away because of, one, high cost. Two, the more they uh, look at it and study it, they realize it's also still a highly processed food. And by this, I'm yeah. talking right now, uh, plant-based uh, fake meats like nuggets and things like that. We're not. I'm not actually at cultured meat yet because that doesn't really even exist in the way they're presenting. And that, so that's a separate fraud. But as part, uh, part, as far as the many companies around the world um, that are doing, some have already folded. A Chinese company yeah. just folded. Um, some big ones are about to fold in this year. They're going to fold because they spent all kinds of money. They don't have any profits at all. Wow. No. They don't have any profits because yeah. they're because they're uh, they're spending a lot more than it takes. Their their margins are so tiny. Now they're in a free fall. They're claiming it's a good thing for the industry and that good products are going to come out the other side. Kind of like I've heard some um, in the industry claim it was like the craft beer industry and it'll consolidate. The consumers will benefit. I don't think so because the problems underlying this, like with EV cars, persist. Uh, the food is highly processed. It's got all kinds of chemicals in it. If they're using GMO. Uh, plants to make these alternative meat products, whether in the cultured lab or in the factory where they literally grind it up with a whole big list of additives, right. it scares off people looking at health issues. This is supposed to be healthy for you. And you look at it and you're like, gee, this is, wait, this is as bad as a McDonald's chicken McNugget because it's got all the other flavorings and additives. Right. And, you know, when you, and when you make um, fake blood for a burger out of beet juice, Gross. Oh. At some point, you just start creeping people out. Now, with the synthetic meat, the two big challenges are you're trying to grow stuff in a medium. The two big challenges are scale and um, cost, and they can't do either. And so, actually, there was a piece on Wired, and I wrote a piece about it on Liberty Nation summarizing it. But basically, they did a, a whistleblower underground survey of employees at this facility, Impossible Foods, I think it was. Don't yeah. Know. I I, th I know what you're talking about. And and they 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 all their vats were sitting empty that they were showing to the public and the venture capitalists while they were hiring people in a highly polluting way to grow small amounts of chicken in little bottles of plastic bottles that they threw away with lots of gloves and things that they so layer disgusting. together manually to make one little fillet because they have not been able to accomplish what they set out to do. It's kind of like if you're going to go to Mars. And they've actually defended their misrepresentations as a necessary vision thing, a necessary way to sort of, you're not lying to investors. Um, you're representing that you're, because literally they said in their prospectus or prospecti to investors that they were going to make, you know, tens of thousands of all different kinds of meat within a year and, and all this grand stuff. And they attracted billions and billions of dollars and hedge funds and big names. Right. And, oh, uh oh, you can't do any of that. So why did you tell me you could? Oh, well, because- you know, until we get your money, now we can figure out how to do it. You know, it's just like one of ours is literally they're just this is um, this is crashing hard, Mel. And I think and actually you may have seen they made it illegal in Italy. I saw. And, it. Yeah. And, and this may be part of that conversation because the EU, if they rule to legalize it or approve it, because the USDA did here, they have not yet in Europe. So if they do, they're in then sort of like a state versus federal system here. Or you, 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 your listeners and viewers probably understand in a conflict with that, the state of um, Italy. And we'll see what the farmers in, in Italy will do right. if the EU does that. And what the farmers in Belgium and Ireland and, you know, um, on and on and on, Germany. And, yeah. and now Germans, German farmers are rallying because of a big change. The French farmers today. And the French too, yeah. And uh, 
Well, right? the EU but is so, a total so that's failure. That's kind of the, the story of the synthetic meat thing. It's yeah. collapsing on all levels, cost, flavor, health, and it's not good for the environment because it's made from plants that are grown mostly with GMO crops, which are using not just glyphosate, but all the usual offenders and, and applications. Some are made with corn. Well, now you've got atrazine, which is still legal in this country, though banned in most parts of the world, which is a, um, an endocrine disruptor. It, it imitates estrogen. Right. Okay, there goes, was an issue. That's what Rob was saying. We were going so, on with yeah. you. He's he said, what about the estrogen in the soy? What? Why is all this fake meat have so much estrogen in it? Is that what, the, is that's what, is that what's happening? To, to well, no, it's actually more, meat. it's way, way, way worse. So um, uh, the, there are a lot of invisible killers out there. They're called chemicals. And so it's not just the atrazine and its residues that are, are endocrine disruptors. There's a host of chemicals. So including in the packaging and the plastics, PFAs, right. forever chemicals, phthalates, Many of them are endocrine disruptors. Most of those, it seems to me, are um, are estrogen imitators. And when you then add a lot of other unhealthy food additives that are food wastes turned into something you they make you eat, um, like hydrogenated fats and high fructose corn syrup that are subsidized by the federal government that cares so much about you, then you get fat. And when you get fat, that also, especially for men, that converts uh, a lot of um, that creates an estrogen buildup too. So the interaction there, but when you take all these different chemicals together and right. then you pack them in a nugget and you, and you make it look like meat, then it, it seems that even vegans that want to avoid meat um, are starting to turn exactly. away from that. And it's also a myth, of course, that they're saving animals because again, there's a very different world in soils uh, between how CAFOs versus regenerative farming is done. The same is true as how the animals are treated. You know, my animals got it, got it awesome. I just came in from feeding them. In yeah, the no, I know bowl. that. And, and that's- When you that's see them behind me, true. you see my, I do see my them. this is, this is out my window during the day. This is where I work yeah, from with awesome. my laptop. Oh, it looks um, heavenly. We 20, well, it is, but it gets heavenly cold, but that's why we stay low population. Uh, a lot of people don't make it in Vermont. We call them winter kill. We're not mean. It's just a cold place. I understand it. Um, yeah, but you know, with all you're talking about, there's also I've seen studies on uh, fertility issues with this stuff, and and you know, and yeah. and I, I I always do look at the eugenics aspect. You know, making people sick isn't something that a lot of these people really care about. I mean, right now in Canada, they're upset if people if doctors aren't offering euthanasia for depression. You know, so we're dealing with like I I call them the death cult, whatever you want to call these people. I don't. They're not putting certainly not putting human health or animal health above anything else, uh, especially when it comes to profits and control, which the food supply is control oriented. But you brought up something else that is a total farce and that people are starting to catch on to because today's show's theme is people are starting to catch on to things we talked about a year and a half ago. Um, another one. Uh, looks like electric vehicles are having their day in the sun of being outed as totally impractical, not better than regular cars, and uh, not practical uh, for the car companies either, because the car companies are cutting back. I saw Hertz, Ford, all these different companies that made all these commitments, a bunch of um, ones that got through John Podesta and his Green New Deal allocation of hundreds of millions of dollars. Many of these companies, the bus EV companies are failing. So what is the deal with uh, uh, EVs? You you talked about it last, the first time we were on, you talked about it. So where are we now? It, it appears that it is caught up with itself. 
Hey, Mel Kay here. Beverly Hills Precious Metals is my preferred choice for gold and silver. Head on over to the Mel Kay Show Partners page and click on the tab for Beverly Hills Precious Metals. Silver and gold are God's money. They're a great way to fight against inflation and keep your hard-earned savings safe. With the national debt out of control, runaway government spending and printing, inflation continues to soar. Beverly Hills Precious Metals can help you shield your wealth from volatility in the markets. Protect yourself today. Go to the MelKShow.com partners page. Click on Beverly Hills Precious Metals. Fill out the form and let's get started. Protect yourself, protect your family, and protect your future. Well, and we can make a similar analysis and just sort of transfer over our our um, ideological slash political common sense analysis of fake meats. Right. Uh, which, by the way, uh, more and more we're finding that some of these food additives also cause anxiety and depression. So you mentioned Canadian treating you for depression. They always have a drug or euthanasia for you after you get sickened by the know. things they give you. Um, it's almost like they'd give you like an RNA vac mRNA vaccine for something they created or something and seeded. I mean, that could never happen. What a horror movie. Um, the EV cars are interesting because some of us just... So I, I want to give credit to Wendell Berry, the writer from Kentucky. If people aren't familiar with him, they really should look at his essays um, he offers us so much. So if you learn a lot of the way that Wendell looks at the world ecologically and just apply it, then it becomes sort of just obvious to you. And that means externalized costs. So from the beginning, when EV cars like solar panels were presented as salvific, they were presented as net zero. They were only net zero as to carbon dioxide. Now, if you started looking at the other inputs or costs of those, uh, you know, because all they're really actually there, it's even narrower than that. They're not even counting all the CO2 because they would compare, for instance, that solar panel um, over its lifetime versus the amount of fossil fuels that would have been required uh, in a, a fuel powered plant to energize your same home or, you know, likewise in the same with a car compared to a gas powered engine. Um, but these vehicles and solar panels often require their own technological inputs, and maybe we don't measure just CO2. And then we start saying, like with the lithium mines with the EV cars, let alone the child labor and all the greenhouse gases generated, um, bringing that over here. EV cars are made with aluminum, which is coming from China, which is building two new coal power plants a, a week last year, it announced. And as, da as at Davos, um, Americans... Uh, you know, boast about how we've reduced our carbon footprint by whatever percentage. Well, China has gone in it up in direct proportion because all that aluminum is created with coal-powered uh, plants. And all of that, uh, the material, most of the material for the solar panel, panels, most of which are bought from China, you know, to boost the American economy. You know how we buy stuff from China to help boost our economy? That's sign of a new econ economics. I, I, I missed that in college and when I was tax attorney, none of my clients needed to figure that one out. And here, let me ask you, where would we be had we not put how many billion, trillions of dollars into EVs now? Right. Um, the government is, these things are abysmal despite all of that funding. Now, as the chapters continue to move forward, more people are becoming aware, it's just common sense, that there are problems with the technology with as far as pollution. And a lot of that has arisen because of what? $20,000 batteries, uh, batteries that blow up, batteries that don't run in the winter. That was a real bad one recently. Right. Uh, but as I wrote in a recent article about Hertz and why I think they're dumping, they're hurting, dumping like 20,000 vehicles. They bought like 100,000 vehicles. I should have read, read the article. Yeah. For their, um, probably for their ESG score or their corporate index score or whatever. 
Well, they actually gush about an essentially a, a pat on the back from Biden and vice versa. It's almost like they're they're uh, living together. Imagine. Uh, but regardless, I think what backfired for you, if you you know, if you're going on a trip, you don't have to stop an hour, hour and a quarter to recharge and find a charging station, even if there are some. They're not as as you know ubiquitous as they say. Right. And imagine if you had to have 15 people, 15 people can gas up 15 vehicles in about 15 minutes or, or less when you have right. eight pumps. You have to have a lot of EV charging facilities. Now, oh, do those use CO2 when you construct those, by the way? Is there plastic in those? Are there metals? Are they mined? Is there so this so the pitch of environmentalism actually is a farce. And if the pitch of environmentalism is a farce and they have reliability problems. And people actually have what's called range anxiety that they can't go too far. Well, that sure got heightened in the recent big freeze. You've right. got a huge price tag. Used EVs are plummeting in price because Tesla and others are giving more and more incentives and more and more government incentives to get people to buy them who don't want them. And by the way, the whole thing is extraordinarily regressive because they ultimately fund all of this. And there have been some studies out there. And I wrote a, an article. There was an, a study in Texas that it's costing tens of thousands of dollars per vehicle out of the pockets of poorer Americans who can't afford an EV car. Right. You know, right. I'm driving right. a, a, I, I, my pickup's not legal, but I, right. that's a particular, I, I believe that's an environmentally important thing to do is drive everyone right into the ground and use every barrel of oil used in its manufacture before it goes to the grave. And that's the other thing. These things aren't being disposed of. People are becoming more aware of, of right, the problems exactly. with reason solar panels for disposal. So just about, just like with, with fake meats, no. Right. Just about everything that was advertised has not been delivered. All that's been delivered is high regulation, high costs, uh, short-term economic boost to a, a very few uh, purses and pockets. Right. And and now the, 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 uh, the problems are coming home to roost. The hangover is here. Yeah. And uh, so much for inflation reduction spending. For, yeah. so the whole oh, thing... They're such con artists. They're, and, 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 you know, of course, John Podesta, the most uh, trustworthy person ever in our government, is running the uh, the uh, doling out of cash for all of this stuff, which is insane, uh, especially with his uh, Clinton Global uh, Clinton Foundation, Clinton Global Initiative uh, background. To be the does he do it from Epstein's Island? Is that is that where uh, he, he is when he told? I I, I I wouldn't be surprised, but I I do hear that there's many other opp <laughs> opportune islands for him to visit as well. And and what's so crazy about all of this is that you know what you're talking about, and this is what I noticed, and I've been saying about the public, the partners of Davos, a lot of them, a lot of these really cutting edge companies, they raise a ton of money, they put out all this stuff, the the venture funds like put it in. And what you realize when you look into these companies is they disappear within a year or two after raising billions of dollars, sometimes hundreds of millions of dollars, because the technology is doesn't exist. And it's a lot of it is on hypothesis of what could exist. Like you talked about the meat or the EVs. This seems to be a pattern with this group of this public private partnership with these multinationals that meet at Davos, they go to the COP conferences and they pitch all their stuff and it's all cutting edge technology coming out of MIT or Stanford or wherever it's coming out of and they can't deliver. It's like the all these companies once and again, even some of the big technology companies, they, they're over promising. But on whoever's whoever's bringing it to the IPO or whatever is is trustworthy enough that people say, OK, well, our venture funds going all in. 
And then they never deliver what they say they're promising. I, so many companies I've watched over the last four years at the that are partners of the World Economic Forum, especially in biotechnology and um, some of that, uh, you know, physical track and trace surveillance technology, the fourth industrial revolution companies, a lot of them, they don't have the product at the end that works. It just doesn't work or it, or they never even produce yeah. it. They don't have to. Actually, you've raised a fascinating issue that I'd like to um, just ad lib a novel perspective right. on, sort of from an historic perspective. Because I know you let me, I can say whatever I want. I love this it. Is a, yeah. This is free That's speech. That's why yeah, we well. keep it. This is the free speech show. <laughs> well, you can have Rob bleep me out, but you know I he not won't do, it. do anything. He doesn't so, know how. Um, what's interesting is that there, I think a few different things are converging that, you know, we should give thought to here and all of us should. Thomas Sowell wrote a terrific book called Intellectuals in Society. You may be familiar with it. Yep. And in it, he documents how in the modern society, we have sort of a, a whole class of technocrats. And they've got, you know, graduate degrees to go out and do, you know, reinvent the universe. And, you know, the goal is no longer to, to work and, 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 you know, make a widget. It's to make a better widget and to make a, a transhumanist biological widget. And you get paid a lot of money. I mean, who else gets paid to resuscitate mammoth woolly mammoth cells or or splice corn with swine yeah or totally. you know or or or, or, or get a, a frog egg and and try to splice the dna with an alien or something and so you look at the nih and i've written about this here in vermont but in some not so much of my national stuff but you know but the point is do a deep dive and you will see that in the last five to ten years the amount of money that our federal government is allocating uh, through the NIH, which I think is half funded by the pharmaceutical industry now as well, yep. and probably the bioengineering industry. So most most of the reasons that Americans are dying have to do with heart disease, hypertension, diabetes, um, high blood pressure, the things that the foods cause that the government subsidizes so they can kill us and then charge us a lot in health insurance premiums to save us. Right. It's it's really Orwellian. And but that amount that spending has stayed pretty near flat or even dropped on all those huge categories where hundreds of thousands and millions of Americans are dry, dying. But the money that's going into things like uh, genetic research right. and mRNA technologies. CRISPR technology skyrocketed. is a big one. Well, look, at, yeah. look at gain of function. Gain of function research which is what caused Wuhan. I wrote about this two years ago. I yep. was excoriated, but Vanity Fair proved it. Wall Street Journal proved it. It was just so obvious it, that it came from Wuhan because they were studying at Wuhan because they brought the bat from a cave far away in the woods in China to Wuhan so they could study it. That's how it got to the market, right? Um, but think about this. You have a multi-billion dollar industry that was sketchy all along that really was not in the industry, in the business of protecting us. It's probably about biowarfare in yeah, the name I agree. of the Russians will do it and the Chinese will do it. So we better do it. And let's do it with the Chinese. I mean, what the heck, you know, we're all on one team, right? They've got videos of uh, all our leaders at, uh, at, uh, with Epstein um, or whatever's going on. But just imagine for a moment, because I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist when discussing clear facts of money, the organization of money around profit. If it's free and you have no accountability and you have government helping you mandate the product, you have total um, immunity for sales of the product. Uh, but boy, if you're developing, and this is even before mRNA, if, if you've developed a gain of function disease that either escaped or was released from a lab, 
you are either the worst villain in history or you are the savior of all humankind. And your future funding will depend on which you are. Exactly. And so that's why the Lancet and this whole bevy of people came together to say, you know, no Wuhan, et cetera. So I've, I may have deviated a little bit here. No, now, no, I you, love that because well, I, I was well, looking at some, that too myself. Go ahead. Keep talking because this well, is so, important. So people understand you, this. So now let's people, let's just think a minute. You know, we're just start going out trying to make a living. You know, I want to be a sheep rocker. I want to raise a few cows. I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm going to do something. These are conventional careers. These make sense to normal people. We're in a, a not normal place. And as so all documents, you know, it's kind of like a rock star, you know, and you have to be more extreme than the last guy. And even you don't have to deliver on it. They're charlatans. And so there's such a thing in, in the Middle Ages as the perpetual motion machine. There's such a thing as turning lead into gold. And there have been people throughout history who have um, been doing that. Now, when you combine that with the modern alienation from faith, and people who are seeking a spiritual or mystical power, as in the form of techno-mysticism, believing that science will cure all problems. For a long time, people thought hydrogen was going to be the answer. I don't know where that went. Now they're looking at nuclear again. They're wandering around like these idolatrous totems of energy and science and technology, MIT savings or rescues from the Harvard and uh and right. MIT, Stanford, and MIT, yeah. priests of the new age, and yeah. they can't deliver. And, you know, Stephen Hawking said the only hope for humanity was if we all moved to Mars and repopulated. Well, number one, given our original sin, we just populate that one, destroy the whole planet like a virus we are, and flitter on to the next one. What kind right. of astronomical technology and resources did it take to get to Mars? And number three, I can tell you, you and I won't be on that ship. So, you know, technology is not there for us growing. I don't understand, you know, but you brought up soul's book. And honestly, the idea that we need to build back better is part of that. You have to destroy what is plenty of what is works Mm -hmm. and has worked for centuries and doesn't need to be updated. I mean, you know, they're really going after the Amish, which is heartbreaking to watch. But I have to tell you, a lot of things that worked uh, you know, a hundred years ago, still work. A lot of, you know, I have a lot of, I had on um, a guy that owns a big trucking company in California. His Peterbilts from the eighties and nineties are still some of the best trucks he has, and he can't use them in California for no reason that makes any mm. sense. So, you know, this is a, a war on also what works and isn't that costly similar it seems to hydroxychloroquine and other things like that and so you know we do have to remember that there are plenty of things even going all the way but this is what i always say about cows you know cows were involved you know way back when garden of eden times uh you know noah's ark times all of that and now all of a sudden the cows are the problem or or any of this stuff when it when the problem is the people that are trying to uh solve problems that might not need solving and and like you said, there's a lot of investment in technocrats coming out of the Poison Ivy League that have ideas about solving problems that actually don't need to be solved. And I think that that's another issue that people should start thinking about is all these things that these people want to do, do they actually need new products to do old things that and that work just fine? I mean, that's kind of a, an issue as well. Well, and that's where over the decades we've seen increases in technology, but not necessarily tremendous leaps in functionality. I mean, a vacuum cleaner is still a vacuum cleaner. It might have a filter. Um, but also the way economics works is if you don't stay ahead of the curve, 
and have a new product, then your competitors will take over your business, including the manufacturer of that which you make. And we might see this in toasters. You know, we might sell toasters to China for a while till they figure out how to make a toaster. And then toaster, then they're going to sell us toasters with their labor. So, so we better have a digital toaster or a really flashy toaster or a toaster TV combo that makes pizzas. You know, while you good. while you taking a nap or something. It sounds good. Um, this is yeah. what we see with you know records to uh, cassettes to um, what, and oh, I or eight CDs. tracks. Right. Uh, eight tracks CDs. Now we're all digital. So oh, and the, we used to not have to pay for TV. I mean, they right. figured out they were giving it away. Right. So aside from planned obsolescence, um, and let me narrow it down to our conversation then, because it's food and climate, you know, is kind of, and by the way, I never intended to get into the climate thing. I just couldn't avoid it by writing about agriculture and industrial. Can't avoid it right now. It's they, everywhere. They've been selling the snake oil. You know, Wendell Berry talks about how his father, probably in the 1920s, warned about the deadly harm that the tractor would cause from compressing the ground. So did Aldo Leopold in the 1920s. But the people at the universities teamed up with the corporations selling the gadgets and the right. phosphates. The, the federal government actually uh, you know, uh, subsidized phosphate fertilizers here in Vermont, told the farmers to get it. The federal government told them, remember, get big or get out. Now they're polluting, so they got to get out completely. Oh my and we'll God. make it to China and let the, let the land rewild that used to have small farms on it. Let's rewild it and have some carbon, even though grassland sequesters more carbon than trees. Let's not worry about that science. Right. Um, and so the common theme is they're always selling you a gadget. You always end up pulling the short end of the stick. And the, the whole country has destroyed its rural areas as it sucked the energy and extrapolated, colonized, if you will, um, uh, everything out and into the cities. And now look at the cities. Yeah, um, because the cities just 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 turn and waste, and, and I shouldn't be so negative, but no, no, know, I mean, I just I just fled um, a city, uh, so uh, New York well, City, well, so you know, and, but and they I also know, oh, turn God it, bless you. yeah, they also turned it into uh, New York City is a fully captured smart city, as far as I'm concerned. I think they sold this out a long time ago. I tell everyone the story that we were two weeks into stop the spread, and Cuomo comes on stage with Bill Gates and Eric Schmidt of Google, formerly of Google, and said, we're reimagining New York. And I looked at Rob and I go, this has nothing to do with the virus. And from that day on, all the manholes were pulled up. There's there's cars everywhere during the lockdowns, putting up mm. stuff all over, you know, putting up new towers, new surveillance stuff. I mean, crazy. But that's what's going on in the cities. So I think they want to get people out of the cities and then they're going to force them back into the cities by the seizing land all over the place. I, I just saw uh, Smithfield that CCP owns, um, owns 157,000 acres just in one of Smithfield's uh like companies of many companies in America and they're not stopping and that they're not making food or, or uh, pork for us. They're making it to send it back there. So that's also dangerous. They, yeah. Yeah. They know where their food comes from. I, I was reading recently about a Chinese uh, pig farm that is vertical is 26 stories high. As a farmer, I'm just, I could smell it reading oh, about it. That sounds But also, you know, you study awful. indigenous cultures and the number one thing that bound them together in plenty and scarcity was food. No. That was the foundation of their society. We have cheapened it through these very industrial developments that we've talked about, always selling people uh, a, a dog and pony show while you make money off them. And if you smell money to be made, I mean, think about the GMO labeling movement. Uh, there was money to be made in organic food and the corporations weren't going to do anything. When they realized that consumers wanted it, they became organic. They're self-certified. 
what could be wrong with that? You know, know. Uh, they uh, Obama helped them, uh, Obama helped them dilute the federal warnings after Vermont uh, passed a GMO labeling state law with teeth. And he also backed Monsanto. He also backed Wall Street. So we can see who's working for us and the change we can't believe in. But what about cash to clunkers? Cash to clunkers was an environmental thing that helped sell new cars and destroy the environment by prematurely taking cars off the road. Right. It's also regressive. Once again, um, it only gave a short blip to sales. Um, the ethanol program is an absolute disaster. We have 92 million acres put to corn per year. I think 40%, I should have rushed up on my stats, but I think 40% of that is just going to ethanol. Wow. Um, and, and that's all chemical base and that's destroying soils, causing erosion, water loss. We're losing, they estimate four to five tons of topsoil per acre. So wow. do the math, it's, you that's know, 4.5 billion tons or so, whatever that is per year. Um, that's why I think the seas are rising from all of our soil rushing into them. Maybe. I don't think it's uh, iceberg melt. I'm just joking. That's, that's, no, no. Um, they're going to get upset with humor. you. The, the climate people get upset with you. Before I let you go, I just wanted to ask you your thoughts on this. Maybe you didn't see this yet, but the Biden administration is going to overturn a nearly 30 year old law that will allow the National Institute of Health that we just mentioned to seize patent rights and mandate the price of these seized products. So uh, this is on the horizon under the guise of lowering prices of drugs. But basically, if you take any money from the government, uh, from the NIH or anyone else, it's it's they're re reversing some Bay Dole Act of 1980. Uh, the government owns your pro owns your patent. This is a whole new range well, of, of stopping yeah. ingenuity in America. I mean, like so they are we they are at war against us, against farmers, against scientists, against everything all at one time. Well, you're probably familiar that, you know, GMO crops, most of them are designed to be resistant to glyphosate. I mean, that is their their chief use is not really to increase productivity, but uh, resistance to a chemical, a chemical right. that kills everything else, weeds. So you plant your corn, it's called, you know, Roundup Ready, you spray it with Roundup a few weeks later, corn comes up, all the weeds are gone. Um, and so uh, this, this, GMO technology in uh, Monsanto v. Bowman is one of the seminal cases with a farmer who bought some of their soybeans, planted them, and found that those successor generations of beans had the same characteristics. So you didn't have to go back to Monsanto. They still were Roundup ready. Monsanto right. sued them and said they owned, through a patent, the rights to that life. Now, I can't imagine doing it with a puppy or a cow, and they haven't got there. Well, but interestingly, and this may contribute to this, you know, this conversation, I read an email today, Joel Salatin's blog today, uh, the, the lunatic farmer, he discusses a recent event he attended with RFK Jr., in which they discussed that in 1970, the NIH did not own any patents, and now owns, I think, 240, and actually pays kickbacks to government staff at NIH who developed them. So that's within there. So this is presumably a an adjunct to that. Yeah. And by I the mean, way, yeah, once they take the patents, in, what's the point? Then all the all the R and D what's the then all these people, then they're not gonna get the benefit of creating anything. It, it just seems to me like they're they're clamping down on farmers, they're clamping down on actual scientists, on actual creators that have ingenuity and want to create products outside of the government control. I mean, this is all just, it's all control. I mean, I, that's what I see here, control and greed. And it's, and it's not, 
and the people of the of the United States have to understand that this doesn't lead anywhere good. Well, it's scary because it's control and greed coupled now with a, a self-righteous moral imperative to save the planet. And, you know, we don't know, like with the Soviet Union and Dostoevsky wrote about this, about whether some of the actors who are leading it actually know that they're full of garbage. Right, like, I know. You know, does John Kerry really believe what Al Gore says? Do they get together and chum it up and turn their lights down and their heat down? I don't no, know. They know. Um, no, those guys but, know. They've know, been in on it um, from the start. Huxley wrote that uh, there's no more sinister um evil than humans who are persuaded that they can do evil to other people in the name of doing good. And when you think that oh, wiping a out one. a third of the world's population is going to save the planet and that you're therefore a hero, I mean, you're right up there with the, you know, killing Jews and, and experimenting on them in laboratories. And, and speaking of laboratories and what you're talking about, there's another big money sphere here which is um, fetal tissue research. Oh, and there is a whole growing category of recreating tissue, uh, uh, you know, organs in time to yep. keep Soros and Klaus alive forever so they can play <laughs> shuffleboard. So oh, I'm sure they're doing that already. Than, I have older no than doubt. Noah. Um, yeah. And so, but you need a steady supply of fetal tissue. And the big pitch by Planned Parenthood and others is that, oh no, it's illegal to sell fetal tissue, only a little bit of money. Well, you know, you need your fetal tissue to do all the other stuff where the billions and billions of dollars are. Because yeah. without that resource, you'd better not build your facility. Um, but they're already building, you know, facilities to do that. They have, they have secured their fetal tissues long-term. And, and But that's what really, that's where the money is. They're taking those little bits of fetal tissue that they say are worthless. They're taking them out in a box every day, uh, refrigerated to where they're going for a market. And the market is in what we're talking about. The market is in, you know, bio research. And there may be some good benefits there, but what there is there is a lot of money and no accountability, no of none of the typical market accountability. And by the way, long-term, it's not going to grow the American economy any more than, solar panels and EV cars. China is where it's at. They're colonizing the world by buying up the natural resources upon which food is grown and every other input is made. So they're getting ahead of us in our own game. And if it were monopoly, we're already like, we've we've already mortgaged everything. Yeah, and, and if this way, comes to the know, point where the NIH is owning the patents of any research that they fund, well, nobody's going to nobody's gonna do research in America anymore. They'll just go to do other countries to do research. Why would they? I mean, it's well, it's all they, just a it's a house of cards the, the way these greedy. Well, what I what I read is if they get the same benefit as an NIH employee, they get one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year in perpetuity, and they pass it on to their heirs. Um, so I don't know. I, I but I suspect there may be incentives for you or I to go to them. And by the way, if I've got some brainchild of an idea to splice a, a frog with a, a you know a leopard. Um, nobody else is going to give me the money and the facility to do it. And I get to work for a while. You Just know, write so. a really good, write a really good uh, proposal and uh, get it to, to get it to whoever took over for Dr. Fauci and make sure, you know, it, it'll stay uh, a cash cow for decades and you might get your money. I, I have a cure for cancer. You yeah. want to hear my cure for cancer? Sure. I'll give it to you right now. I've been doing the research. Don't give it to yourself. Stop right, eating. Exactly. Do everything you can to avoid it. <laughs> yeah, don't eat their food. Their food is is horrible. Um, but anyway, sorry. Hey, can I show you something? And your yeah, viewers? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. So I got this. For, I got this for Christmas from my sister in law, so I wore it for you guys today. It says, "Oh yeah, I like it. You got to get me one of those shirts. I'm not a says, farmer, but I but I stand I for get, farmers." 
Ah, uh, yes, okay. you can. You well, are. I can feed them. You can, and we need you to keep feeding <laughs> us, and we need to support small farms and small farmers like you. So let's also, because you know, aren't only a farmer, you're also a prolific uh, writer that is keeping up on a lot of this stuff that people don't see in the mainstream media and can't really follow. So tell everyone where you are, where you're, where to get your amazing book. Uh, people need to read that book to educate themselves and also prepare. We don't know what's coming. You got to be able to take care of yourself. So tell everyone all your great stuff. <laughs> well, thank you, sister. Yeah. Uh, yeah, my sub stack is Small Farm Republic. Uh, my my website, my author website is also smallfarmrepublic.com and it has a link to the Substack uh, awesome. subscription. I write for Liberty Nation uh, as a staff writer now. And Great. I write I'm a so lot happy of for you. farming there. You yeah, worked really hard. I, yeah. Well, and I'm working hard for them. They're doing great. They're an amazing team. Great. They put out a really, really, really uh, hold my feet to the fire to try to get all the facts right. They really strive to put out quality truthism and they keep me from being too fiery. I get a little hot, especially defending my cows. I love and it. So, and, and my book called Small Farm Republic is, is a lot more than just about farming. And part of the okay. emphasis you just mentioned is that we all have a role to play. Don't feel powerless. Don't feel like you have to give up on trying to find out what's healthy to eat because it's so hard and just give up and eat junk food. Um, Joel Salatin, well, there's some resources in my book, but Joel Salatin yeah. and Cena McCullough have a good book out called Beyond Labels. And and, and support your local farmer. You can grow 100%. in the city. You can do a lot of things that you, that a lot of steps you can take and maybe save money in the process, especially if your health's better and you right. don't have to spend money on chemo, God well, forbid. <laughs> John Clark, uh, I always enjoy talking to you. You're amazing. We'll put all your links below. And remember to support uh, independent journalists and people that are putting information out there. And the Mel K Show, if you like what we're doing here, we could use your support as well. And stay in touch with your favorite people out there, John Clark, myself, and everyone, because uh, we don't know what's coming with censorship. And I have a feeling there's another, another wave. So make sure you got the right information from good people. And uh, thank you so much, John. We'll see you again, of course. And take care and be well and say hello to your cows. <laughs> thank you. And God bless you. You Thanks. too, my friend. Bye-bye. Everyone's been asking me what I've been doing because I am in better shape than I've been uh, probably maybe in my life. And I am now thriving and I have so much energy. I'm going around, I'm doing all these tours and I'm doing the show and I'm showing up at small events and big events. And I'll tell you the one thing that's definitely changed my life is superfoods, Mel Cake superfoods. When I got involved with superfoods in the beginning, I was not eating right. I was not sleeping right. I was not, uh, it was mid COVID. So I wasn't really doing much and I was doing a lot of things wrong. And then I found superfoods and it has changed me from the inside out. Not only have I dropped weight, which wasn't even the goal. I really wanted to detox. I wanted to help my immune system. I wanted to make sure I didn't get sick while a lot of other people were and superfoods came into my life and changed everything. I now think about what I'm eating. I don't have cravings. I don't eat late night. There is a whole protocol. It's so easy. It's laid out for you. You take it out of the box. It's there. All your food's taken care of, all your nutrients, all your energy, all your protein. It is an amazing way to change your life from the inside out. Superfoods changes everything. It gives you a protocol, it gives you a schedule. You know what to do, you know what you're eating, you feel great, you look great, your life's getting better. And the one thing I know is you can go to themelkshow.com, go down to Superfoods and you can start your journey. Because today is the day, I will tell you, I waited and I waited and then I started Superfoods and within three months, my entire life changed uh, for the better, more than I could have imagined. 
MelKShow.com. Go to Partners page down to Superfoods and click on the link and you will find a whole new world that will change your mind, change your body, change your life. So when you get Superfoods, that helps me and helps this show keep going. I cannot tell you how much it's changed my life for the better and it will yours too. And enjoy the rest of the show. Mel K Superfoods. Get over there now. There's no time like the present. Oh, I hope you're enjoying the show. I was just talking on my new Patriot mobile service. I have to tell you, I'm so excited. They are incredible. They are America first. They they align with my values. And you know what? It's unlimited minutes, unlimited text, Wi-Fi calling, unlimited data, high speed, everything that you could use, just like everyone else. We have our time, we have our vote, and we have our money. And the great thing about Patriot Mobile is your service will be exactly the same. Difference with Patriot Mobile is they are an America first company. And what they do is they reinvest their money into causes that matter to me and matter to you and matter to this nation. At Patriot Mobile, those causes are the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, the Constitution, and our children's future. So please go to themelkshow.com. Patriot Mobile is a partner of ours. Please use the code MELK. What I can tell you too is that they are supporting me and they are supporting creators because they believe in the First Amendment. They believe that censorship is wrong and they are going to put their money where their mouth is. Do what you can for the creators out there that are doing what I'm doing. Please go to Patriot Mobile, MELK Show. All I can say is thank you so much, guys. Supporting my partners supports me, and Patriot Mobile is absolutely awesome. I checked them out. We're switching to Patriot Mobile, and we hope you do too. Thank you so much.